and one and two and two and one oh shucks i can't dance hello and welcome to stories from the open gov a podcast dedicated to telling the stories about what open government and open data look like my name is richard pietro and for season three I decided to go in a slightly different direction. The season one and two were heavily scripted. For this season, I want to wing it a little bit here and talk about a very important subject that we may not as a community, as a community, be speaking enough about. And it's this very simple question. Why open government? Now, as a group, as a whole of practitioners, we know and we understand the value of open government and open data. However, the rest of the public really doesn't. And by the public, I don't mean just your parents and your family. I'm talking about your colleagues. I'm talking about the media. I'm talking about politicians. I'm talking about captains of industry. And I've been in the space for about 10 years now. I've not been actively working in the space for all those years. As many of you know, I spent the last 10 years working as a waiter, uh, doing open gov and open data sort of on the side. But there's plenty of people that have been in the space that have been neck deep in the space for even longer than that. And it seems as though to me, we still do not have an answer for the general public why open government? And, and we do have an answer. I just don't think it's a very good answer. And our go-to answer is typically, well, it's about creating trust. It's about creating accountability and transparency in government. It's about collaboration and co-creation and, and the synergy that comes when the public and the private sector and NGOs and the government and all these people come together. All of that I've de- all that I've described there are all very intangible. There's nothing particularly meaty about those statements. One of the go-to examples that I know I use, and I'm assuming the rest of the community does as well, to describe how great open government, open data can be, is using the transit application example. How great it has how much it has changed public transit and how people use public transit the thing is is that example is approaching 10 years long whenever i use it to describe open gov and open data to people who don't know open gov and open data it almost seems as though it's a fleeting moment for them like they're oh that's that's kind of neat yeah i didn't know that that's pretty cool and then they completely forget about it I guess my issue is is that we as a community, I don't think I've come up with a very good way to sell open government and open data. When we talk about it, to use a very simple term, I guess, is that it doesn't land the way it has landed for us. We as practitioners are a very different breed. We live in a bubble. We are engaged individuals. We have something that's that, that we're just pigeonholed, not pigeonholed, but we're very very focused on this one thing of, of creating this 
collaborative, engaging, accountable, transparent experience between people and government. But it leads to a couple of questions, questions that I don't have an answer for at this time, but that I continually ask myself. One, is it fundamentally important for people to truly understand the mechanics, the, the, even the, 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 I don't know how else to say it, and I apologize here, but it, it's like the meat of open government. Do people really need to understand it in order to use it? Some would say yes, because it's all open government and open data is all about engaging with your government, so you should know how that engagement works. It's like you want to know how the sausage is made, you need to be part of it. The other one, the other angle is that no, people do not need to necessarily know and understand the mechanics of open government in order to appreciate it, much like how most people don't really understand how a car engine works, but they can appreciate a car. They don't necessarily know how a banking system works, but they certainly uh, appreciate that they do exist. And I would argue that tellers at a bank or even staff at a banking organization probably don't truly fundamentally know how banking works. But we all understand the value that it presents. But when it comes to OpenGov, we're not there yet. I don't think people truly understand the value, and people certainly don't understand the mechanics. So what should we focus on? I don't know. Um, But I think we need to make a decision as a community on how we're going to do it, which leads me to the second problem in this. And this goes back to actually um, something that I wrote for the City of Edmonton blog on open data, and I called it the webmaster's tale. And the webmaster's tale is essentially an allegory of how the Internet was presented to the public in the early 90s. For example, if you wanted to create a website, you needed a webmaster. And that webmaster knew everything. They coded your website for you. They, they, they created the images for you, at least sourced them. Uh, they fixed the typos of your text. They did everything, right? You know, what you see is what you get in terms of coding did not exist. You needed, you needed to know HTML. And you needed to know, you needed to have access to servers. You needed to have access to... To, to URLs and, and, and registering a domain. It was very complicated. So you went to a webmaster, and they were the master of your website. But what was also happening during that time is that you had these large corporate bodies investing millions, if not billions of dollars in marketing, advertising, and selling the commercial internet, most famous of which is AOL Online. They would put out commercials during home improvement and cheers to tell you, sign up. Here's why the internet is great. Sign up. Here's why the internet is great. And people, you'd be bombarded with it. And you'd be like, well, yeah, I'm going to check it out. And you know what? It makes kind of sense. And you know what? I'm going to buy the service. And I'm going to get AOL online. And then as things progressed, the webmasters sort of lost their role. Because you had sites like GeoCities come around who could you know you there was a little bit of sort of that web 2.0 coming in which was it was not just relegated for webmasters just about anyone could start 
putting content on the internet. And it certainly went at this point beyond just the forums. And then obviously things like MySpace get created, Facebook, and then all these ancillary services started coming out. And I, I forget some of the companies back in the early 2000s, but the GoDaddies of the world. Now it was easy to find a hosting website. You did not need a webmaster to have their own server. You could register your URL. It was Everything became much more easy to create content on the internet. And the webmaster disappeared, right? Much like the milkman and the travel agent for the most part. So what is that AOL online advertising equivalent for open government? We have a whole bunch of webmasters right now out there. They're practitioners. They are policy wonks. They are data scientists. They're these great visionaries who do all the work. But there's no selling of open government and open data taking place anywhere. If anything, the selling, the marketing of open government and open data rests in the hands of government who, by definition, are not marketers. They're policy wonks. They are people who create programs and, 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 and data scientists and things of that nature. They're not marketers. They're not salesmen. As a matter of fact, I would probably argue that a marketing team in a government would be viewed as a cost center and would probably create a kind of scandal in news that we're wasting taxpayer dollars. Granted, government agencies do have, you know, communication uh, uh, departments, but that's to communicate. That's not to sell. That's just as like, here's a press release and we're going to communicate with the media outlets and some of the people, whatever. It's, it's more about messaging than it is about marketing and selling. And I also refuse on a related note that the Telluses of the world, the Deloitte's and the Microsoft's of the world, until they can find a business model around the selling of open government, they're not going to put out a million-dollar ad during The Bachelor to sell open government. It's not going to happen. At least I don't see it personally happening until they figure out that business model. And that brings up another issue as well, which is much the internet was something that was very tangible. It was something that you, need, you needed a computer. You could look at read content. You could read the newspaper. You could you know all the you could do all these great things on the internet in the early nineties that you could not do without it. It was tangible, but selling open government and open data. Is, is an intangible, right? It's about creating trust. It's about that co-creation. Like, so how do you bridge that, that element that OpenGov is an intangible and make it tangible? And maybe once that happens, the issue of open government and open data will finally land when we're talking about it to people. It is too soft right now. It has this great impact, and even when we use these great TTC application examples, it doesn't really land because it's not truly, I think, fundamentally tangible. You can't put your hands around open government. You can around the Internet because you can hold to a, a modem, like back in the 90s I'm talking about here. You could hold on to a modem. You had your computer. You had all these things, which also leads and dovetails 
into an analogy that I use frequently on how open government can succeed, but unfortunately, because it's intangible, makes it very difficult to sort of plug and play because what I'm trying to get at right now is that government has been through this story before. It happened during the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And that's when the computer was being introduced into the workforce. And it required a heavy investment into technology. It required the retraining of staff. It required new job description, new hiring practices. It required so much in terms of the ch- – and, and, and that's the other thing too. We needed buy-in from the leadership to say this is what we're going to do. We're, we're in this full steam ahead and we got these changed agents. We've got these champions internally that are going to push it and push it and push it. And I think right now, like I was saying earlier, open government has to go through the same thing. It has to go through an, it has to go through an investment in technology. It has to go through retraining. It has to go through new hiring practices. It has to do all these things. But it doesn't have the computer to focus around. Right, that that locus point. We don't have that locus point. The international open government partnership is close to that, creating these mandates and these commitments towards transparency, accountability, and engagement is close. But it's still something that people can't hold on to. It's kind of like the Kyoto Protocol, except I would argue that the OGP has been a bit more successful than the Kyoto Protocol. So until we can, we, 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 first of all, we have a framework on how to implement open government and open data, and it's as recent as the introduction of the computer into the workforce. Second, we know that we in, can introduce something that's like, like the internet, which is the government, if we sell it. People will buy it if we know how to sell it and market it. The thing is, is government is not in the selling or marketing business. And the marketing and selling companies are not necessarily in the open government business, which is frustrating as an engaged citizen because I'm trying to do it. And there's a few other people that are trying to do it as well, but we don't have those kinds of resources. We don't have millions and billions of dollars uh, accessible to us to make the marketing push that's required. But to, to wrap up sort of the episode here of – why open government, which is a very important question to ask if we're going to bring more people into the fold, because I think we're past the stage of the hearts. Sorry, we're past the stage of the initiatives and the programs and the tools. We're in the hearts and minds um, phase now. We have a lot of what we need to make open government and open data a reality. What we're lacking is the people, right? And for that to happen, it's not going to be sold through a white paper. It's not going to be sold through a tweet. It's going to be sold through a marketing campaign. Heck, civic engagement is so difficult that the most comprehensive and easiest civic engagement campaigns around the world and I would argue they're not as effective as they seem to be, are the get-out-the-vote campaigns. You see them all the time during elections, right? 
Go out and vote. It's your duty. It's your responsibility. Go out and vote. Here's Ben Affleck telling you to go out and vote. Here's, you know, Danny DeVito telling you to go out and vote. Voting is great. Voting is what makes democracy. You see these ads all the time during an election. And even still, it's hard to get people to go out and vote. And people can wrap their heads around voting. Put an X in the box, drop the ballot into a ballot box. It's a very simple process. And literally, it takes maybe 15 minutes of your time if you have an electoral body that knows what they're doing. When we're talking about open government, we're talking about a much larger investment in time. We're talking about something that's not as tangible as putting a box on a, a, an X and a box on a putting an X inside a box on a ballot that goes inside a ballot box. So we as a community need to start really thinking about who's going to start selling this thing and who's going to start marketing it and, and, and an approach on how to market it. Because right now, I think many of us, especially I feel sorry for those people inside the government right now that are working so hard, and I can see them spinning their wheels. They're making progress, but I don't think... Let me rephrase. They're, they're doing incredible work, and they are making progress in their eyes. You can see the progress, but I think we can do it much more efficiently and have a much larger impact. But I think this will wrap up this episode, this freewheeling, winging it type of uh, approach to the podcast here and seeing if... Uh, I like doing it, seeing if the audience likes hearing it. Which brings me up to please give us your feedback, or in this case, give me my give me feedback on how to make the podcast better, subjects that you'd like to have explored, stories that you'd like to hear. And until next episode, let's make it open. <laughs>